How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I am your host, Chris Adams. Make sure to hit that subscribe button however you're listening to the podcast app on Apple, iTunes, Podbean, whatever it is. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review, a comment. The feedback, it uh, makes a difference. It's really great to hear from you guys, and I love hearing how much you enjoy it. I try to respond as much as I can to all of them, and uh, thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to listen to me, whether you're driving, turning calls, doing whatever you're doing. I uh, I just am so grateful that you guys give me the time of day. Um, make sure you check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, BTBN. Check it out. Follow along with us there. We have the Head to Head tonight coming out Wednesday night, 7.30. If you jump on BTBN's Facebook page, I post eight sound files from the first eight guys in the round one. I left it anonymous, just color one, two, three, four, five, six. I post all of them instead of doing it in like head-to-head matchup style for this little preview so that way... You wouldn't be able to narrow it down. It is 100% anonymous still to this point, except to the guys that made the video and to me. That is it. I sent the videos to Corey. He scored them tonight on Tuesday. We're going to announce the winner on Wednesday night, 7.30 Central. I'm going to have Channing get on. He uh, got the pictures this morning. So he's going to score 0 out of 30 on the pictures, and Corey's going to score 0 out of 70 on the routine. So it is going to come out to a total of 100, and then if you win your head-to-head matchup, you move on to the next round. The material is Hedge and Blackwood, one of my favorite combinations. So I'm really looking forward to this thing. I have seen some ridiculous calls come out. These guys are cracking me up in our group chat. Um... Just some really, really cool work coming out. So you guys are going to be in for a treat when you see all the uh, hard work that went into this thing, man. It is an absolute blast. So make sure you tune in to BTBN's Facebook page tonight at 7.30. Tonight being Wednesday, um, the 2nd of September already. Man, dove season kicked off today and it was rainy here in Missouri. So I did not pay attention. Didn't even go dove hunting. I was stuck at work. Um... Yeah, if you want yourself a paperweight of a duck call, you can hit me up. Check out Unstable Calls on Facebook, Instagram, that type of stuff. You can get yourself a paperweight of a duck call. Yeah, I've got another one for you guys. He is not a call maker. Well, he's kind of a call maker. He's kind of a a YouTube guy, but what he really does is he guides hunts out in Kansas, and he is a, uh, a new dad. We were supposed to do his podcast last time. On the day that uh, his wife went into labor and his daughter was born. So we're trying it again now that he has gone on no sleep for the last month. And uh, without any further ado, Mr. Travis Sipe. Travis, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. Surviving. How are you? Oh, not too bad. First of all, congratulations, man. I put it out in the intro that we were scheduled to do this thing and your wife went into labor like two hours before we were supposed to do it. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, kind of kind of crazy how that whole deal went down. But uh, yeah, the baby came about three weeks early. I probably had plenty of time to get that podcast in, but I guess I was wrong. And now here we are, over five weeks later. But we're gonna we're gonna get it done. 
<laughs> well, dude, that was the funny thing is we were chatting back and forth right beforehand, and I was I sent you a message. I was like, dude, I uh, I should probably schedule your podcast because you don't have much time left. And you're like, no, probably not. And we're like, uh, what about two days from now? Yeah, this time's good for me. And we're like, all right. And then you sent me a message that day. <laughs> it was like, oh, well, so much for that. Well, I literally, I thought, I was like, you know, because here's me, you know, being clueless on being a new dad. I was like, she went into labor in the middle of the night, like at four in the morning. She woke me up, her water broke. And I'm like, all right, well, do you need to call the hospital and like see if we can't catch a couple more hours of sleep? Because <laughs> I'm pretty tired and I know we're going to be there all day. And so she calls and they're like, you need to come in now. And I'm like, ugh, son of a gun. So... We, we went in, and we were there all day, and she pushed forever, and they finally had to get the old salad tongs out and yank her out of there. <laughs> that was an experience. Uh, <laughs> and, I hope she uh, doesn't listen and, to this. <laughs> oh, she she might. Who knows? I've, I tell the story all the time, so she hates when I refer to refer to them as salad tongs but whatever that's what they look like and they're way bigger than what you think too and I'm like oh my gosh anyways I can go into way more graphic details so I'm not going to <laughs> but uh anyways I was just thinking like throughout the day I was like you know we could probably still fit this in you know I'm just trying to like plan it out like I'm a planner I plan like all my yards you know multiple days in advance you know and try to play play a forecaster with the weather and try to plan it all out and I was like you know if we had the baby by this time and yada 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 I can probably get away for an hour and then I was like there's just no way there's a lot still going on and whatnot and you know with COVID we couldn't people couldn't come into the hospital so then I'm it's like we're in the zoo we had a window in our room so our family members were like outside the hospital looking through this window as I'm holding up this little baby <laughs> so yeah it was it was something but we're getting it done now we're getting it done now that's awesome man i remember my first one um she came two weeks early and i had just worked a 12-hour shift came home taking a shower and it was like two o'clock in the morning laid down and i think i had just closed my eyes and water broke at like two fifteen. <laughs> i was like Oh, son of a gun. But, you know, at that point, you're like adrenaline. You're just going. So, uh... Oh, yeah. And it lasts for, like, a couple of days almost. Oh, like, yeah. Whatever, you know. And then, then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, man. It rough. just it hits you. We were uh, at the hospital, and I was probably eight, nine months out of being out of the Navy. And on the Navy, man, everybody is a firefighter. I was a firefighter before I went to the Navy. Like, that's what I loved. I went to the fire academy before I went to the Navy. Like, that's what I did. So we're in the hospital, and it's like day two, and we're not sleeping still, all that kind of nonsense. And all of a sudden, the fire alarm goes off in the hospital. It's like 3.30 in the morning. And I put my head out the door, and like, nothing's happening. And I was like, what the hell? And, like, I poke my head out the other door, like, towards the nurse's area. And they're all just, like, carrying on and stuff. And I was like, what the... F-? So I go up to the front desk, and the fire alarm is still going off. And I was like, hey, the, uh... Is that the fire alarm? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, are we supposed to do anything? And they're like, why would you do anything? And I was like, because something's on fire. 
<laughs> and they're like, oh, no, no, no. It's for the whole entire hospital campus. There's nothing in this building. Don't worry about it. Go back go back to the room and just hang out and try to relax. We'll move you guys if anything needs to happen. I was like, this goes against everything I have ever learned. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So uh, are you finally getting any sleep yet? Or are you guys still... Uh, yeah, she's... It's kind of hit and miss. She'll go a couple of days where she sleeps like pretty good at night. And last night she actually slept like eight hours. Holy cow. Which is weird because like, so I ended up sleeping in. It was supposed to rain, so I wasn't going to go dove hunting. There's nothing cut around here anyways. And my dad went and hunted some public with some buddies. He's been driving about an hour every year to where a buddy lives. And they do this public thing, which... I love public hunting. There's nothing wrong with it. And my dad, they shot him pretty good today. And he's like, you want to go tomorrow? And I'm like, Dad, I have to deal with game wardens for 100 days in a row coming up. I have no desire to go <laughs> deal with them tomorrow. Public for doves. Freaking open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with fighting people and different things like that. Like, I don't want to go do that. And I have so much to mow with. We, I mean, I went from not mowing anything the last couple of weeks to with the, I mean, it was 100 degrees every day. And it hadn't rained in a month. Yeah, to, burnt up. Yeah, so now we're in the mid-80s, and, you know, the lows are going to be coming up in, like, the 50s and 60s, and we've been getting some rain. So, Moen's full bore again. I got a buddy's bachelor party this weekend, which is actually at the Hunt Lodge, and uh, then he gets married the following Saturday, and I'm the best man, so it's, uh, it's a busy time of year, so yeah. I'm just trying to roll with it. And, well, a, and a baby at home isn't going to make it any easier. You do. That ain't no joke. I and mean, tell everybody, if I didn't put it in the intro or anything, tell everybody what you do, man. You have the hunting lodge out there in, in Kansas. You don't have to tell everybody where you hunt. Or I, you can since it's a hunting lodge. But go ahead and give people some of your backstory. All right. So I'm from a little town in Kansas, like less than 600 people in my small town. And I really don't know how deep we want to go with this. But I went to college as a biology major and I was running track also I guess is the most important thing of this story because I that being a college athlete takes up a lot of time and I was either over Christmas break I was either gonna get a job and not hunt or figure out how to make some money while hunting and for lack of a better term I started as a freshman because I thought it was cool at the time, and now I try not to make fun of people that do this. I had a little Facebook page with my little hunting group on there where we posted pictures. So <laughs> Everybody, brother. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have worse language than I typically used to describe that. I'm not going to here. But uh, I started that, and then so then I need to make some money doing it. And it kind of was an accident. Um, how it all came together, I kind of thought about doing it, and but didn't really know how to get started. I kind of helped a few other outfitters um, when they were just in the area, and they're like, hey, we'll give you 100 bucks if you can get us on the bird. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Well, I get a phone call. We'd been hunting the river, me and a couple buddies, and I posted pictures every day. Just thought, you know, I just was proud of killing birds, you know. I, I was, uh, it was just, all about it. I was just having a blast, and this guy called me, and he goes, hey, me and a couple buddies are hunting uh, with this other outfitter near you, and we're it's, we're not having any luck, and the outfitter, the actual owner's not around, 
And so, needless to say, they weren't having a good experience. And they're like, we see you've been killing them, you know? Like, what would you charge us if we came hunting with you? And I was like, 100 bucks a person. I was like, there's me and two buddies. And there's three of them. Like, we'll each make 100 bucks. This is awesome. We're rich now, you know? Right. So, we went and hunted the river two days in a row and beat the shit out of them. And those three guys basically split up into other groups and brought more people back the following year. And I kind of did it, you know, with those same buddies um, through that Facebook page, uh, which was Duckwild Waterfowl. It's always been Duckwild Waterfowl from the beginning. Um, and the Facebook page started in fall of 2011. And so we had made that page, and, and I guess that first guiding first guiding trip which wasn't really a guiding trip would have been uh guided guided group i guess would have been probably 2013 or 14 um but uh when even before we were guiding i i made that page and hardcore decoys had just got bought out and so i got a phone call from the pro staff manager i don't know if we wanted the pro staff and I didn't know anything about the industry, anything about anything. And I was like, man, I am, I must be hot shit. Yeah, I'm freaking like, I'm Phil, Phil Robertson now, man. <laughs> You're damn right. I thought it was pretty cool. I still remember the phone call. And I literally haven't even thought about this, you know. But now that we're here talking about it, it kind of <laughs> brings up some memories, I guess. But uh, I thought it was cool. And then fast forward on. The next year, I guess, after taking that first trip, I had probably 10 or 12 groups, ever, like, just posted stuff on Facebook, and I did that for another two years, and then I was a, uh, I graduated college in five and a half years, needless to say, I like to, uh, duck hunt. I didn't even <laughs> really party. I like to hunt a lot more than I like to, uh, worry about classes and stuff, and so I switched from being a biology major because... That was too liberal for me. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. And just and it was from the beginning. Me and one of the professors on like a summer deal when Obama got elected the second time, we got into it a few times. So it wasn't good. I was doing great on all the ornithology stuff about birds. I was struggling in mammalogy and I remember it was mid December. The final for that class was the next day, and I asked him, I said, Dr. Jensen, what do I need to get on the final to pass the class? And he's like, you're going to need an A, and I'm probably going to have to curve it for you to pass. (laughs) So I'm sitting here looking looking at my notes like, there is no way in hell I am going to learn what the species of this freaking mouse is by looking at its skull. There's no chance in hell. And then I get on my phone and I look at the at the forecast and there's a cold front coming in, which I knew, but I was kind of looking at the timing and I went and just, I gathered up all my shit. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm turning my shit. I'm changing my major when we come back from break. I'm going duck hunting in the morning. There's a cold front coming in. <laughs> and so my dad hates that story, which I don't know why. I paid for my own school, so he can just deal with it. But uh, he doesn't like it when I tell that. So I went duck hunting. Basically, the teal moved in on the front, front, and we shot the shit out of Greenland teal, so I don't know if, I don't really care what I shoot, but it'd be a lot cooler, I guess, if I shot, like, a banded pintail or something like that. Nah. Uh, so, anyways, we go into break, and I'm, I'm guiding a few groups, kind of by myself, then, with, with my buddies helping me, um, 
And then when I finally have a semester left, of, or I had, yeah, I had one semester left of school. I was done with track, and I figured out how to finish all my classes online. And so going into that um, that summer, I was like, man, I really want to do the outfitting thing, and I really don't want to go um, work for the county again and be a be just a you know cheap labor and work on a road crew or something. So I ended up getting more yards to mow. I'd always mowed the yards for extra money since I was like eight years old. That started when I wanted to go to an expensive basketball camp. And my dad was like, well, you better make some money. So <laughs> that's what I did. So I, I had mowed yards since I was eight. And so I picked up some more yards. I mowed, mowed all summer. I was hired as the junior high football, basketball, and track coach for my hometown. Um, the longtime junior high coach for like 40-some years had retired. And so I took his place um, as best I could. And so... I- uh-oh, lost him. Hold on, I'll get him back on. And we're rolling again. We got you back on the cricket phone. All right, sounds good. So I was coaching coaching football, basketball, track, all that good stuff. But while mowing all summer and preparing to coach, um, I was running the weight room in the summertime. And I was like, I want to make a run at this guiding thing. Um, like, I'm going to do it. And I, and I didn't book anything I could do myself. And I was hunting on all the stuff I grew up on. It was basically taking groups of like one to two guys up to maybe five. And so all the landowners were cool. Um, like most typical guide services starting, like it wasn't like I was like hiding anything from them. I really just didn't know better. And so I, was, I wasn't paying anybody anything. And so I got through that year pretty good. And then the following year, um, was when I was like, wow, that went pretty good. Like, I should try to get someone to help me, kind of. And I basically did it again. The same thing. This is probably 2016, 2017 season. And so I did the same thing, but a little bit bigger. And started, like, telling landowners what I was doing. And offering them to pay them whatever, keep people happy. And they're like, everyone around here was cool. I grew up here. And they're like, when you start making money, you pay us. And I was like, okay, that's that's fair enough. So at the end of the year, I sent out thank you cards with, like, gift cards in it. And that went over really good. And me and a couple buddies had joked about um, me buying this old church in the middle of the country from these buddies' grandparents. And it was always just a joke. And this church was built in 1907. It was really run down. But structurally sound. For the most part. I mean, it has a rock foundation, um, water damage. Like, it's, it's got a whole, it had a whole bunch of issues. It still has a whole bunch of issues. Don't get me wrong. It's a hundred plus year old building. Some of it you just have to live with. <laughs> but we kind of joked about it. And then um, one, of the, one of the brothers, we're at an auction and he's like, hey, grandpa's here. He wants to know if you want to buy that. And I'm like, yeah, I really don't want to mess with the bank, though. You tell him I'll buy it if he'll sell it to me on contract. And he walks up, and old Eddie's like, hey, I'll sell that to you on contract. Uh, how long do you want to do it for? And so then I'm just, like, crunching numbers in my head as fast as I can. Like, oh, shit, this is escalating quickly. And 
was like, I could make it work on two years. Monthly payment, every month, over a two-year period. He goes, how about three? I'm like, okay, deal. Let's draw it up. And so I probably overpaid a little bit because of the three-year deal. Um, but I thought he was doing me a favor. And he was. I mean, he didn't have to sell it to me. And it was fine. But he uh, he did the three-year deal with the amount of money it was because he had it figured out how much he was going to have to pay on his taxes mm-hmm. by selling it to me over a period. So he's very smart. I mean, the dude's really wealthy. He's done really well for himself. Like, he's in his 80s. You would never know he's that old because he's in such great shape. But uh, it was just kind of funny. He was doing me a favor while also doing himself a favor. And the money they were making for me went to him and his wife's new Polaris Ranger. So they're always constantly now trying to sell me something so they can <laughs> right. buy, buy a new toy. So it's kind of funny. But we completely, me and, I guess to circle back around, one of the guys from that first group that I took on accident basically was from Illinois. Well, his, but, and this is Adam Kunkel too. I'm sure your Facebook friends with Adam probably. Mm-hmm. Or seen his stuff. His, buddies had came year after year after year and it was got to where like and everybody comes as friends and leaves as family but this was like the first group that really did that and so it was basically like hey guys it's basically the last three times you guys have came because they come multiple times a year it's been awkward you paying me like yeah we got to pay the landowners and everything but like I feel like I'm making money off of you and I'm having way too much fun to be doing that. <laughs> I was like, what if you guys can help me remodel this thing? They're all, at the time, they're all a bunch of single guys. I don't get to see all of them now because they've all started their own families too. They don't get to come as much. But I was like, what if you guys can help me do this? And they're all, you know, pretty hard workers, um, pretty knowledgeable, a couple of them very knowledgeable with construction. So that was the deal. We spent the next, you know, couple Saturdays and Sundays a month with them staying at my house or staying at the local hotel. We gutted the whole thing and I got a contractor discount at the local lumber yard and I could go to the lumber yard and buy the materials we needed, um, top to bottom, uh, insulation, studs, plywood, just anything you can think of. And I'd buy it or I'd put it on my charge account the next month, I'd put on my credit card. So I'd basically, and I'd only buy what we needed to work on before these guys got here. So I would give them, and then I'd put on my credit card, and I wouldn't have, and I'd pay my credit card off at the end of every month, but I wouldn't have to pay it for the next, till a, a month later. So I would keep, I'd give myself a two-month, like, cushion, basically, to pay this off while making these monthly payments for the lodge and then by the time I got the duck season I get caught back up and so I knew I was I as soon as I offered lodging bookings just started coming in and we literally quadrupled I quadrupled my business in size that summer and then that winter the lodge isn't done at all like it's it's got heating and AC, well, the AC wasn't in yet, in yet, I guess, and the heating actually wasn't completely in, but it worked. Um, the heating bill was super high. Hundred-year-old <laughs> building, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We we had, and it wasn't in. Yeah, I guess it was insulated, but I mean, it didn't have any sh- what you would normally have sheetrock. We used bar- oh, we used reclaimed barnwood and barn tip. 
that I bought off of old farmers falling in barns. So we got by the year. It was fun. I mean, you walked into that place, and I know it's an old church, but people just wanted to, after your duck hunt, wanted to drink and have a good time, grill a steak, and it still has that atmosphere, even though it's done now. But we got through that year, great, and then last year was the second year with it, and we got a little bit more done. And this year, finally going into our third year, we doubled again in size, and the lodge is done, and I have like seven more payments on the building, and somehow my roundabout way of making these um, weird credit card purchases at the lumberyard I have not went and got a loan to do it, so we yeah, have. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was it was a challenge. It was challenging at time at at the time. I mean, we bought a, and the wife bought a house, uh, much smaller than one would like with a growing family. But uh, <laughs> I've basically, I get on social media. You get the guys that are just like, "You live the dream," which I'm not saying that I don't live the dream. I love what I do every day. But, I mean, I mow yards 100 hours a week in the summertime just so I can make sure that everything's paid for and running smoothly. And then in the, I don't even know how many hours I work during the wintertime. I don't want to break it down hourly. <laughs> or I'll probably go get a real job. Um, but I employ, you know, for three months out of the year, I pretty much employ five guys plus myself. And then in the summertime... I employ another part-time guy, and then uh, I, I employ one full-time guy for the whole year. So um, it's it's growing it's growing a lot, and it's still a battle every month to uh, make payroll. Um, but I'd rather have everything paid off and have landowners paid and happy. And because of that, um, I have a good good local local presence I guess we try to do business with uh, all the local bars and stuff and take people out to eat at those places uh, both the local hunters I get along with and try to stay out of their way and not mess up their hunting um, and the landowners themselves like seem to like me and we have access to 60 to 80,000 acres well um, see that's so. one of the things that you did right by you know making sure that you were taking care of your landowners because then they're going to tell that, you know, the neighbor, their buddy, the other people, you know, and give you a, a shot at more property to freaking lock down. And, man, what I really like about you is the entrepreneurial, you know, the spirit. You run your own land or your own lawn mowing business, landscaping business, and you're successful at that. And you're working your ass off to get there. And it started from nothing. You were a kid out there on your bike, probably with a lawnmower hauling it around behind <laughs> you or having your dad drive you and drop you off at different spots. Like, I think so many of our guys relate to that. And that's so many people that listen to this thing are, you know, call makers, guides, outfitters. Like, there's so many like-minded individuals of that entrepreneur. And it's the same thing you were talking about with starting, starting Duck Wild, man. Everybody mm-hmm. looks at, you know... Um, habitat flats or something like that they're like there's no way you could ever get to that well hell dude not saying your habitat flats or anything crazy like that but 
You're taking the steps to get there. It didn't all happen at once. You worked your ass off to pay off your freaking building and pay off your landowners the first year and kept building and building and building. And, you know, you did it through hard work and sweat equity. It didn't get there, you know, in a year. It didn't get there in two years. It is a process and it is a hell of a lot of work where most people would give up. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. If anything that my dad taught me, it was, it was just how to work hard. I could tell multiple stories um, <laughs> just about working my ass off as a kid for nothing. And, I mean, I'm just, I th- I, in my opinion, if you're not growing, you're, you're going the other way. Exactly. And so last year we added deer, so a few deer hunters to the mix. Um, we added four deer hunters, I guess. All four deer hunters shot bucks. Um, so they're all coming back with buddies now. So the deer hunting thing has grown a ton in just a year. Um, which my biggest thing against doing that forever was landowners, um, which I wasn't ever going to guide until some other guys actually, when the thought first came into my head, some other guys came into this area and promised the world to landowners and then shot their birds in a two week period and left without paying. Oh God. And then these farmers are pissed. Yeah, and so they're like, never like, again. Jeez, well, and 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 they were they they didn't care. Like they're like, yeah, sure, they didn't bad an eye. I was like, you know, they're making money. Yeah, they're gonna pay. Then they never would. And then they come get mad at me. And like, I knew who all these people were. And they're like, can you get a hold of them? And I'm just like, I can say something to them, but like, they did what they did to you. So then, when I came up with my idea to do it, you know, obviously I wasn't gonna do that. Like, I mean, I'm a firm believer in trying to learn from other people's mistakes. So you don't do the same thing. Well, and it's and, your uh, it's your hometown, man. Like these are people that you've known forever and that trust you. They're yeah. your family. You said there's 600 people in your hometown. Everybody knows everybody. Exactly. <laughs> so and well, and to make it easier on myself, I'm not gonna say like just my hard work got the job done. Which I'm a firm believer in this country. You go out and work hard every day, you can make something of yourself. Like doing whatever you want to do. I'm, really believe that but you literally i mean you don't even have to leave your house i mean with the internet today but excuse me metaphorically speaking step outside every day and work hard and i don't mean go put in eight hours i mean put in 16 to 18 hours at least like go go get the job done i don't want to i don't want to hear excuses so my dad though was a county commissioner for 16 years and always worked in the community whether as a banker insurance agent um, now he's a business owner, um, he's, and he's retired and still running another business. Um, my mom was a local. Um, my grandpa on my dad's side owned the um, meat locker for years um, here in my hometown. And then in my mom's hometown, her dad, my grandpa on that side, was a barber for almost 50 years. So I have a lot of connections. Um and then I kind of, on purpose, was college roommates with some big farmers, too. <laughs> so, um, and I really like them anyways. We were doing sports and stuff like that, but um, it, it was a perk. It definitely was a perk. And, and now I'm just, some people might be satisfied with, with where they're at. Um, it looks good on Instagram. I've been, I, don't, I don't post. Once, I, once my hunts are booked, I don't really post much. But I try to show all aspects of it because it's not all um, rainbows 
rainbows and unicorn poop. Um, it's a lot of hard work, but we're looking into adding on to the lodge, uh, building a shop with some living quarters in it, um, and building up from there with the same with the same idea of uh, build slow, don't get uh, don't get too carried away, and just try to keep building this thing slow and and see see where it goes. I mean. I'm not real sure where it's going to go. Eventually, I'd like to be buying ground and managing that. Um, but I'm not. I'm not in a hurry to go do that and overextend myself. I don't want to. I don't want to blow up in your face. Well, yeah, man. So. If you can't go try to do everything at once because if you have one bad year, I mean, we're, your business is all based off of weather. <laughs> and if you start having some crappy weather for two or three years, you know, you're you might have to pack up shop if you're overextended. But like I said, man, you are you started off and you see the end goal of what you want and you're setting steps on how to get there. It's mm-hmm. not about taking that big jump. It's about, I mean, I know it feels like yeah. a big jump. You know, you when you buy a building, it, that's, that's a big jump. That's a big commitment. But you knew how you wanted to get it done and you did it with, you know, very little debt. Like it's going to be paid off yeah, in three I, years. That's crazy. Yeah, and I kind of rationalized, it was easier to rationalize it in my head, I guess, to make sense of, of it on how I was going to get it done um, by doing that. So, I don't know. If I had a chance to do it all over again, I would. I'm constantly looking on something else to buy, building-wise, and get that good deal um, and, and do it again. But then again, I, I kind of want to go bigger and better, too, so we'll <laughs> see where things go. Well, and you guys did a really cool job of documenting the build out of the lodge. I remember following along with pictures, man. And even this year, didn't you change out the uh, the TV area into the bar this year, or is that last year? Well, I'm trying to think. So we kind of did that all together, but we, we added barn 10 last, last fall instead of just having bare insulation up in the rafters. We added barn 10 up there, which was interesting because it's 19 19 foot tall ceilings um but uh we added the big the big project this off season was i resided it so i put new windows in and then it had a metal roof and it had a metal north and south side the previous owner had put that metal stuff on metal siding on when a storm came through and the insurance paid for it well i was waiting for that to happen and never did and so here went the lumberyard deal again and they started building post frames so I could get everything through them that I needed material-wise. And uh, I put new windows in and resided it. And then I was like, well, I really want to put a new a deck on the front. It was just, it didn't have a porch or a roof or anything over a deck or anything like that. And I really wanted to do it. And I was like, you know what? The smart thing to do is just to wait till next summer. That's a good project for next summer. And then... I got the bill paid off at the lumber yard and I was like, you know what, I should just do it. So I did it. The Illinois boys came. I had, uh, I got high school kids. I could never get a hold of a jackhammer. I had, I went and bought two sledgehammers and had four high school kids for one day busting out 12 inch concrete. It was a, like a 10 foot by 20 foot slab of concrete. Oh, and it was okay. all broken up and stuff. It was terrible. So I needed replaced. And so I got them two sledgehammers. These kids couldn't open their hands. <laughs> and which is exactly why I hired them to do it. And by hired them to do it, I mean I gave them each 20 bucks and let them have a little slumber party at the lodge. 
<laughs> uh, with their parents' permission, of course, like right, no right. beer drinking or anything like that. But uh, we did that the week before, like my Illinois buddies came, and then in a, basically a day and a half, we um, dug the post holes and put the deck on and framed it all up and got the metal started, and I finished it up um, in the next day and a half, basically after that, putting the metal roof on on the porch so that was a big project got a new sign out there to kind of kind of the name of the lodge is the dog house we were going to name it the church for obvious reasons but then i stumbled across a buddy of mine had this old neon flashing sign from a bar a local bar back in the day called the dog house and the name kind of stuck when we put that up inside the lodge so i had a metal sign made at the dog house um so we got that in so basically the lodge projects are done for the year and yeah we're looking into buying some ground around the lodge or we have enough for uh another septic system or lagoon um and putting in a new shop and and everything everything else that goes with it pretty excited about it dude that is a busy busy schedule like you know because what it's september 2nd 1st right now whatever it is your guys teal season kicks off what this weekend yeah, something like that. Like, I can't even, I can't really tell you for sure. I haven't even paid attention. <laughs> There's a dove opener, and I didn't even go, like I said. So, I uh, I don't even, during the season, I don't even hardly get to hunt anymore. I scout more than I do anything. So, I'm going to make a solid effort to actually go go once with every group this year. Go one day. So, That's... at least start the morning off, get the first 30 minutes in, call a few shots, and then uh, get the hunt started off right, and then hit the road. Man, and see, that's something that I think people don't think about. They, you know, I'm sure you get the messages, oh, you're living the life and doing all this stuff. Like, you got into this because you love hunting. <laughs> you just said you don't even get to hunt nearly as much anymore because there's so many aspects to running the business that uh, keep oh. you out of the field, man, that people don't even think about. Oh, for sure. And then don't, and then don't, even, don't even think about the paperwork side of things that goes into it, so... That's a whole other nightmare, and I generally don't even worry about that until the season's over with, and then then it's tax time. So that's a giant pain in the butt. I mean, we're dealing with a federal bird, so you have so many other things you have to take care of, um, especially with them cracking down on tagging and all that. So you, you mix that in with uh, paying federal taxes, and uh, you you could really piss the feds off if they don't get their money. So I try to make sure. Uh, make sure we're good on that end and i mean like you said the word i do so many things to keep our hunt successful and i have a great group of guides that work super hard and are damn good hunters um and so, uh, so, so some of my guys especially the part-time ones they're not so great at the hunting aspect i mean they're good hunters don't get me wrong but like i have a couple guys on my on my team that are just world-class hunters um but Maybe if you're not so great at the hunting aspect, you're good with the client relations, which is almost just as important, sometimes more important. Um, but that's what the lodge has helped with. So with me not being in the field every day, if we were just using a hotel for lodging or something like that, we wouldn't have near the return clientele business, even even with successful hunts. I mean, we, we average shooting like 28 birds a day, which isn't a very good number because sometimes maybe we got a small group out early in the year when we're running one group and then maybe mid-season late season we got two groups of six in um 
so that's, that's a little different. But on average, we shoot, a, I believe last year's numbers was like 5.1 birds a day with ducks and geese. Um, and the year before that was like 4.8 birds a day. So, I mean, we're pretty successful. Um, but even when we aren't successful, we have the lodge. We get to hang out with the guys, play cornhole. Um, we got a pool table at the lodge, play some pool. Um, we're just constantly forming those friendships where guys want to come no matter what. Because they can tell we care. And I care about them, you know, as friends. Like, we have a lot of southern clients right now that just had this hurricane go through. Before it was going through, I was like, hey, hope you guys make it through. If you need anything, let us know. They've kept in touch with me. Um, one guy, he called me and asked if he almost was going to bring his family up and stay at the lodge. And I was like, come on with it, man. Let's go. So we've, we've basically reformed that, that, those really important friendships um, and bonds with our clients to where they want to come back every year. And honestly, those types of guys that just come year after year and we have those relationships with, like, it's just easier. Like, you, you seem like the guys work harder for them without even trying because they're enjoying themselves more and the hunts end up working out better for the most part. So we have a 95% rebooking rate um, because of many things, whether it be the hunting or the lodge or just who knows. But we have a 95% rebooking rate, and I am very thankful for that for sure. Yeah, man, that's that's super impressive. That That's the most important stat of it all. You know, like the birds per day average, you know, people are going to ask about that and all that nonsense. But the rebooking rate is because it's more than just a hunt. You can go hunt freaking anywhere. You can go pay for a freaking, you know, outfitter, or not an outfitter, a guide service, because what you are now is you're an outfitter because you got the lodge. But, uh, you know, anybody can go do that. But I can go smash a limit, you know, with a guy on a guided hunt. But if he's an asshole... (laughs) like i'm not gonna go back like cool i killed birds if he's an asshole i'm gonna find out where the hell we hunted at and i'm gonna go scout land and start knocking on doors myself but if i go to a guide or an outfitter and the guy is great and i have a great time chances are i'm gonna go see him every year or at least be friends with him you know i have buddies that i've hunted with that i still keep in contact with throughout the season just hey man what's going on you know we're we're in our own little groups and stuff like that because they're friends now instead of, you know, somebody that I'm giving money to. Exactly, exactly. That's that's what it's all about, for sure. I mean, and we're with the deer side of things, like, getting deer clients is easy. They were, almost all of them were duck clients originally that wanted to, wanted to deer hunt Kansas. And then we've also, I mean, we've always done the turkey thing. Um, and that kind of gets roped in with the deer side of things now. Um, and it's called Rural Kansas Outfitters. And then you have the snow goose side of things. So I broke everything up for advertisement purposes on social media. But the snow goose side of things is white goose guide service. And I'm building all three of these things slow and to the point where, you know, it's going to work. It just might take some time. Um, and the snow goose game is a little different. Um, the hunting is a little different. We've done it in the past. Um, so we're no stranger to it. Last year, the guys killed the shit out of them. It's something that sometimes, for part of the year down in Arkansas takes place when I'm still up here running hawker hunts. So I can't always be there. Um, and now, 
I got a family at home like last spring. The guys chased them all the way up to South Dakota. Ugh. And I had a pregnant wife, so I wasn't going to leave. I'm going to have a little baby at home this next spring. I'm not going to leave. Um, but we're booking hunts, and the guys are going to run with them all the, all the way up north as long as we can before turkey starts. But I'm building that slow, and I'm really – I think that's going to be, I think that's the key to stand out in any business is, you know, building the business right, the right way, no matter if it takes 10 years or takes two years. Um, I want to build it the same way I built the duck business so it's successful because I think it'll really stand out in the snow goose game because you probably noticed there is a lot of used car salesmen and crappy individuals <laughs> and the snow goose guide services dude that I mean that game is a freaking nightmare you see a guide service pop up for a year or maybe two years and then they're done because uh, dude it's snow goose the spring snow goose season is just a cluster especially in arkansas especially up around mound you know those two hot mm-hmm. places that everybody's at and it like you said dude it is a bunch of freaking you know <laughs> nonsense that goes on with it and uh everybody's com- trying to compete and everybody's you know people are jump shooting birds and throwing it in their piles they're running nine oh, yeah. spreads and then saying that they shot 110 yep. today and it's like well how many spreads is that <laughs> how many did you ditch shoot you know it's just it's a freaking headache and to do it right like you're talking about going all the way up Dude, you have to be a roving band of gypsies just traveling from town to oh. town following birds. Oh, it's ridiculous. And I'm honestly not cut out for it <laughs> at all. But I'll gladly like help book to keep my guys employed a little bit longer. <laughs> and right. I, don't think, I don't think I'll ever make money off this personally. Um, but if it keeps my guys to where they can make money hunting longer and do what they love then i'll keep i'll book it and we'll and we'll keep it going like i'm all about it and we're just gonna mind our own business and do it the same way because it's in any outfitting service pretty much in any any industry in the world the shit talking that goes on is crazy but i feel like in the snow goose game the competition factor and guys just trying to run each other down is ridiculous well yeah you look at it you look at a roost like freaking squaw or whatever the hell they call it now, Los's Bluffs. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. everybody's competing for a 15 mile radius. You know, like mm-hmm. you have 200 guide services in a freaking 15 mile radius, and you have about 15 of them that are well established. And then you have a bunch of fly by night guys, and then everybody trying to do their own stuff. And it's like, it is a nightmare. And people come from all over the country to hop on these 15 miles, and it is a cutthroat game, and I would have no interest in being a guy doing that type of stuff because of that. Ducks, geese, that's great, you know, especially in your hometown like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it don't even stop until the off-season when it comes to booking stuff. Like, you've probably noticed that on, like, duck hunting leases and guides and hardcore waterfowl and all of this stuff, these guys, and it's, it's duck season too. When there's a post, someone looking for a hunt in a certain area, it's, it's like sharks with blood in the water, man. <laughs> My goodness. I get tagged in these things like crazy, and I just, if they message me, they message me. I'll have guys message me and say they, they recommend it to me, and then another guide service was uh, talking shit and running me down, and I'm just like, hey, you know, whatever. I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody, so if you want to book with me, book with me, and 
there's some other guys out there that I hope are listening to this that are my best salesmen because <laughs> they just push people my way. And I've actually had guys go book with go book with people that talk shit on me and go with the other outfitters and have such a bad time that they book with me the next year, and then they're then they're lifelong clients. So I guess that's my. Uh, that's my 30 seconds of talking shit on other guys without really doing it today. That's about, that's about as much shit talking as I do. Yeah, so man. I guess I had to get get that off my chest. Well, and that's the right approach to doing it. You know, it would be way too easy to go over every single person that's ever started drama over freaking guiding over damn birds. But I get it when it's people's living. But you take the right approach to it and stay the hell out of it, which is uh, the smart way. Now, the first time that I ever actually... The first time I can remember seeing you do something was kind of a shit-talking post uh, about eight oh, years ago. I used to get involved in a lot of them, so well, no, I no, cut no. you off there. What were you, what were you saying? Be, it, be specific. Tell me what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a bad one. It almost became like a little viral video in the waterfowl community of Bo Jenkins and the Tater Killer oh. Duck Call. Yeah, there might have been alcohol involved in that one for sure. Um, but yeah, there, that was back when everybody was making making a duck call, which is when I mean, you you're a duck call maker now. Your calls look badass. Um, there's a lot of great call companies out there, but I kind of almost I don't want to toot my own horn because it. I mean, it was my idea to make the video or whatever. But like, there was so many people ragging on them back then. But it was kind of like the beginning of the end for the custom, in quotations, call makers that were that were making barrels and stuffing an echo insert into them. So those companies still exist. They're still out there, but you just don't see them advertised on Facebook like they used to be anymore. Oh, yeah. So I got, know, drink, I got to drinking that one night and talking shit and was like, dude, I could shove an echo insert in a potato and make it sound better than that. And they're like, no, you can't. And I'm sitting there. I was watching football or something and walked in the kitchen and found potatoes and took a knife out. And, like, after this, I made such better calls. Like, I took a cucumber one time and put a goose insert into it and did the same thing. And the (laughs) actual cucumber, like, juices, like, suck that O-rings up tight into it. And so it was like a real call. Um and then but that potato was crudely a hole was crudely cut out of it like it was not tight at all but I shoved it in there like in the video the potato falls off of it at one time yeah I remember that I'm like trying to go cross-eyed in the video which doesn't work too well but you know I was just making the ass out of myself but yeah that was back before like Facebook like really said how many people watched your video but it was shared I don't know how many hundreds of times, so I have no idea how many people saw that thing. And I didn't realize it fully until the next summer, and I walked into Rogers, and and uh, I'm going to butcher his name here, but Field Hood and all, was like, Bo Jenkins, what's up, dude? Little Tater Killer. And I was like, oh, great. I, I made it when Field, Field recognized me from us. Uh, Stupid potato call video. A guy that I've looked up to that has no idea who I actually am recognized me from that. So, 
that's dude, that, pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, that was the funniest shit ever. I freaking, <laughs> I was talking to uh, Reb, David Taylor, for people who don't know who he is, and he showed me that, and I was like, that is the funniest thing I've ever <laughs> seen. And uh, yeah, before Facebook had all the metrics and video wasn't really a thing, YouTube wasn't even really that huge back then. I remember seeing that thing get shared forever. Do you still have it up somewhere? Um, it's probably on my Facebook somewhere. And I honestly, I had like 10 videos, other videos that never really got posted anywhere. You've probably seen a couple of them because I got shared around in private messenger. But at one time, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a career. Like I thought I still wanted to be a teacher. And so I never posted <laughs> some of these videos of me being a jackass. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Like I had like, and obviously he's done some shady shit. He might be a nice guy. I've never met him, but like I had a Rick Ham video that was pretty bad. Um, making fun <laughs> of him. Um, my best one yet. Did you ever see the video of me? shirtless and waiters in my parents kitchen i think so fun of uh making fun of the dude from highway fly the flyway highway yes yes i remember that yeah that one's i actually might have that one on my phone so i should probably post that i don't think that's a show anymore so it probably wouldn't be funny <laughs> but uh it was pretty good back in the day man i had had some good times making fun of other people and it just wasn't very professional, so I, so I kind of quit doing it. <laughs> well, that's the good thing about the podcast is you can put whatever the hell you want out there without a. Uh, well, well, and now you don't have uh, to worry about any kids and anything principals seeing it. But man, could you imagine if freaking TikTok or Snapchat was like big, like Snapchat five years ago oh. or TikTok last year? Like, oh, dude, I you'd know. be a stone. Well, I made a video. I made a video before we left the hospital on TikTok that got three point five million views. Jesus, dude. And I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even try. It was, it's, you can, you guys, if you're listening to this, you can go look it up on my uh, TikTok at Travis Side, or I think it's SciPipe or whatever it is, but I'm not even going to repeat what it is on here because it's, I mean, it's a joke, but there's some people that get all worked up over the deal. But yeah, I mean, if, because TikTok was a thing back then and I posted those videos, man, that would have been, that would have been something else. They really would have went somewhere and like, career probably would have been over as a as a business owner before it started <laughs> well you know that's the the fun thing about it well you might own a different business you might be uh one of those millionaire youtubers now no i don't i don't know about that i'm not smart enough to figure all that stuff out those guys well those guys are all buddies especially the people in the hunting industry on youtube so the hunting industry you know is so small as it is but those YouTube hunting guys and fishing guys, they all know each other, and they know the algorithms and how to how to beat the system and do it all. So more power to them. Those guys take some heat on there now, and people making fun of them and ridiculing them all the time. I don't, I don't, I got some pretty tough skin, but I don't know if I have tough enough skin to, to take that beating all the time. It's. It's a really, really tough thing to, you know, because like you said, freaking, I have tough skin, but there is some stuff that you just can't read the comments. And I had a, a guy that was pretty popular locally in a TV show tell me that 80% of the people that watched him hated him. But guess what? They were still watching him and he was still cashing checks. And I was like, 
Uh, if they love to hate you, that's great. But man, I cannot be universally hated. I have enough people that think I'm an idiot from this thing. But you know, no, my biggest, my biggest like weakness in life is I'm a people pleaser. I try to make everybody happy, which I think is a positive on a lot of aspects of life. But it's it blows up in your face at times. It really does. Yeah, yeah, you can't be a people pleaser and have public opinions, which is uh, a really tough thing to have for sure, bro. Yeah, which is why my my podcast, which nobody listens to, I like don't advertise it. I'll like tweet the link every once in a while and put on Snapchat. I don't even put it on Facebook because then local people will listen to it and I'll piss off half of them. But I mean, I got the Travis Side podcast you can listen to on iTunes, and it is a. I used to record every day, and I just, I just am so worn out from the media now and from just work in general and having a baby but just listen to the news every day I just get so pissed but it's basically a couple times a week I'll go on like a two to ten minute rant about sports or politics and it is so politically incorrect but I just honestly use it to get it off my chest dude people um, love that shit though <laughs> yeah a lot of them do I got some guys like every time like I post one that texts me and laugh about it, and I don't know. I've I've lost two hundred followers on Twitter since the coronavirus crap started. On Twitter, dude, so. I haven't been on. I don't even think I have Twitter app on my phone anymore. But like since two thousand fifteen, <laughs> it's a yeah. I, sh- I should I should delete it. I tweet a lot. I do, and I I'm not politically correct. And uh, yeah, pretty much everybody I grew up with. And then everybody I've, I'm now, like, associated with, I guess, um, in the world, hunting industry, somehow, just knowing people, um, or somehow some people came across me, they follow me on Twitter, great, whatever. But pretty much anybody that I met in college has now unfollowed me on, on social media. Yeah, so. the whole political thing, man, people... Uh if you have a different nobody is allowed to have a different opinion other than yours and not mm-hmm. you, saying you but generally you know our age group and below if you're not of their ideology you're a fucking idiot you're like well i'm not an idiot number one i own two business you know i own multiple businesses built this shit from scratch i know what the hell i'm doing just because i have a different opinion than you do doesn't make me an idiot it makes you an idiot for thinking that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I try to be as open-minded as I can. I mean, I listen being on a lawnmower every day or scouting ducks every day in the winter. Like, I'm constantly listening to podcasts. Oh, yeah. Um, And I try to listen to both sides of stuff. Um, I'm, as of right now, refusing to download Spotify to listen to Joe Rogan. (sighs) So I might be listening to Joe. But uh, I try to listen to both sides because Joe gets both sides of stuff on there. Um, I listen to Ben Shapiro every day. I listen to a little bit of Gary Vaynerchuk for entrepreneur stuff. Um, and then to make sure I don't make stupid money decisions after being pumped up thinking I can make a million dollars doing like baseball cards or something from Gary Vaynerchuk, then I listen to a little Dave Ramsey kind of average it out. <laughs> right. So, Bring yourself back to yeah, center. And then hunting podcast wise, I've started since I knew I was going to be on yours. Like, uh, I didn't even realize you were getting back into stuff, you know, until just recently. I started listening to um, a few of your podcasts and kind of just pick and choose some guys I want to listen to. And then I do the same thing kind of with the Big Honker podcast. 
And then uh, even in podcasts I don't like, if they get like a big name guide on there, um, somebody I think I can learn something from or steal from, because if you're not cheating, you're not trying, um, <laughs> I go listen to I go listen to uh, theirs too. Yeah. And then, and then unfollow them, because I don't want to give them the credit. But I won't unfollow you. Chris, I'll keep I'll keep I'll keep subscribing to your podcast, buddy. Oh, keep thanks, listening. man. It, that is <laughs> like one of eight people that subscribe to it, so it's cool. Oh, don't give me that. I know it's been growing like crazy, so eh, you don't have to lie. It's not anything like it was when we were live streaming competitions, but uh, it's been entertaining. And I don't know, this is a lot more fun than sitting behind a phone recording something. Like I, I'll. I don't know if I'm going to do any of that again or if competitions are ever going to be a thing again, but I enjoy this type of stuff. I do not have time to do the blogging and any of that crap anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know, man. It's fun. I like this uh, duck call competition that comes out tonight since everybody's going to be listening to this on Wednesday morning. It'll be out tonight for the first round. I think that kind of stuff is going to be fun. But uh, who knows, man? Who knows where this thing goes? No, that's exciting. I tell you what, just the duck calling thing in general, with your deal, there's been a ton of competitions like on Facebook this summer, which is great. I, I've been meaning to get in on a couple of them just because just I think it'll be fun and, you know, I can give my $20 donation to, right. like, to Shanahan or somebody like that. And I bring Shanahan's name up because he's, he's kind of got whooped a couple times this summer in, co- in contests. And some of that, I personally think, is because, like, you're posting a video on there. And so, like, I don't know if, are, they, are people blind judging these things, or are they watching the video with the people and who the people are? Man, they, um, I actually came up with this blind com- contest with Corey uh, Neekum. You know, he's one of the guys that's okay. up around you. And he submitted, oh, yeah. um, he submitted one... And he didn't want to go and post a video of himself. He's like, I'm hot. I've been mowing. Like, I'm nasty. I don't want to put myself up there and, uh, you know, have everybody see me right now. So he sent a blacked out video to Kyle Jones and had Kyle upload it. And the start of the competition was supposed to be a head nod, you know, kind of like a real competition. Okay, yeah. So there was no head nod. So he was disqualified. (laughs) <laughs> because of that aspect of it and he's like whatever man i don't care it's not a big deal to me you know like yeah. it has nothing to do with the competition but that got me thinking and i was talking to Corey on the podcast i did with him and i was like man there has to be a way to do this yeah. and it's a f- i can tell you that i got the eight sound videos the files today and had to stop and relabel like, I made a matrix on my phone because, of course, I'm way too busy to do anything. This is the most sitting down I've done today, not working-wise. Yeah. And uh, I made a matrix of everybody's name, put a number next to it, and then I went into the videos, saved them, downloaded them to my phone, took them into an editor, and put a title over it that had their number on there, and then had to resave everything. And then I got <laughs> everybody's three pictures... So I got 24 pictures and had to send those to Channing Korea to judge that today and then sent those eight videos to Corey to judge today. So he has no idea who they are other than the number, and he's going to score it, send me back all the scores, and uh, then we're going to do a live tonight at 7.30 on BTBN's Facebook page. Might as well, you know, prop it while we're on here. Heck yeah. And uh, I'm going to go live 
and then we're gonna go over individual scores on the head-to-head. And all you have to do is beat the guy that you're bracketed up against. So Corey's gonna send me the scores, and like the calling portion of it is zero to 70. So the call-making portion, picture side of things, is zero to 30, so you can get 100 max. So Corey's gonna give me a score like 60 out of 70. Cool, Channing's gonna give me a score 20 out of 30. All right, this guy got an 80, and then the guy that he's squaring off against got a 78. This guy moves on. So it's all blind up until the scores are revealed, and that's why I haven't posted pictures of the call pictures yet because I don't want anybody to know what's going on. I don't <laughs> – like it's trying to be yeah. all secretive. Think – I've said it on other things, videos. I don't know if I put it out on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Think – Ink Master, but for duck call competitions. And it's, no, that's cool. You're putting in a lot of work to do that. So dude, you, dude. <laughs> it's insane. And um, it's the first competition that I know of where a call... It's the first call-making competition where the call-maker had to run his own routine that I know of. Yeah. And I, no, it sounds like a good idea. And I... It's the Shanahan in it. No, no, no. He's uh, he actually okay. put it in the comments that he wanted to let somebody else win, and but Mingo freaking entered it, and you know Mingo is like one of the top five callers oh, in the world. Oh, Mingo's so good. Yeah, maybe Trevor need to be in that to uh, try to go at it with Mingo. Which this whole deal, like maybe I'm saying the quiet part out loud, or I'm saying the loud part out loud that no one talks about too much. But like, if it's not blind on Facebook, and you know who's calling. Trevor probably knows this, but, like, I'm not in the calling world at all, but from an outsider looking in, that has to kill Trevor because Trevor pisses so many people off all the time because he speaks his mind, and the bad thing is Trevor's right quite a bit. Um, now, he's also wrong, so I'll argue with Trevor all day on the ship. I don't know Trevor that well, but you feel like you see someone on Facebook on all these Facebook groups talking, you feel like you know a guy, and I've, I've been around Trevor a handful of times, but... uh yeah, Trevor, Trevor's got to be some of these judges just hold grudges like crazy. And I, I'm sure if it's not blind on some of these online contests, Trevor takes a beating for being himself. Yeah, we, uh, Corey and I talked about it on the podcast. And I like Trevor. Trevor is a good guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's as nice a guy as they come in person. I've had quite a few, well, not quite a few, but I've had, you know, a few interactions, you know, like you said, with him and some conversations with him. Uh, we did a couple of live videos, like 30 minutes here and there back in the day. Uh-huh. And he's a super nice guy, man. Like, I I will give oh. anybody that. He is a legitimately yeah. nice guy. But, he uh, just likes to argue. Yeah, so I yeah. Need to tr- to I need to go listen to that, to that podcast, of course. It's one of those I haven't listened to yet. But Trevor's, yeah, yeah. Trevor's never been wrong about anything on the face of the <laughs> earth. And a lot of times, I, I enjoy it a lot of times, and I think he takes a lot of heat sometimes un, unnecessarily. Like, you can't be arguing about this small, minute point and then somebody want to fight you over it. Like, it gets to a point of ridiculousness. Trevor brings a lot of the arguments on himself, but they take it to a level of, like, wanting to fight or threaten him. And I'm like, that. well, that's oh, not right, yeah. you know, over a fucking yeah. duck whistle competition. Exactly. Like he says a lot of quiet stuff out loud that like I I wish I would say, but like I'm a people pleaser, so I don't do it. I don't say it <laughs> right, man. You have to uh, whatever. And if it, if it was somebody else that was uh, instead of Trevor that was doing something that 
didn't take the heat so well, I probably wouldn't bring it up on this podcast, but I don't know. I just think it's funny. I If there's something going on on some calling contest, there's some shit talking going on, I guarantee you t- Trevor's putting his two cents in <laughs> with it. Or it could be about some random sports thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, anything and everything. (laughs) Trevor likes to debate, and that's cool, man. I I love to debate, and me and him have gone back and forth on debate after debate after debate, and there's sometimes I'm on Team Trevor arguing the same things that he is. So, like, I I find it super enjoyable, but, yeah, he – I made a post, like, two months ago – that was like a meme and it was a dude sitting back in front of his computer like just like big eye looking at the computer and it was like watching my friends or uh, reading 150 comments arguing about something I have nothing to do with and I was like oh I'm sure Trevor Shanahan started this shit and tagged him in it and he's like of course and it ended up I unsubscribed from my own freaking post I turned off notifications from my own post because he started a debate with like eight different people on there and it ended up having like 180 <laughs> comments and I was like what the fuck oh shoot that's impressive <laughs> <sighs> so well I'm brother to open up that, that, can of, that can of worms on here no man no going. it's but good I always get a good crack out of that well, well hey my I saw the text from my wife saying that it's about time for me to join in on baby duty. So, is there anything else you want to go over before I get off here? No, nah, Brody. If uh, if people want to look at you know your guide service, outfitter service, want to get a hold of you, where can they find you at, bud? Um, go on Facebook, Duck Wild, Duck Wild Waterfowl. Um, Instagram, same thing. Um, you can add me on my personal stuff, um, Travis Sipe. Um, if you want to join the Twitter game, Sipe is my Twitter handle. Um, if you want to listen to the podcast, it's the Travis Side Podcast. Um, just, I'm a down-to-earth guy. I'm pretty open-minded. If you're open-minded or right-wing, a right-winged <laughs> person, listen. If uh, you're not, I wouldn't listen. And it's nothing against you. Um, but you will hold something against me because there's days where uh, I get pissed off and just go on a rant about Sleepy Joe or Kamala, or uh, whatever. I'm trying not to use too many of my own nicknames I've given them, so <laughs> you, can listen, you can listen to my nicknames I've given them and different things. But uh, Yeah, or give me a call. I'll talk duck hunting with anybody. Uh, my number is 620-364-6819, so awesome. call at me. Awesome, buddy. Well, you're a, a fucking killer entrepreneur, man. I love watching the shit you're doing. I love seeing the success that you're creating. And uh, well, hey man, I appreciate the kind words, dude. Just faking it till I make it. Yeah, that's right. Well, you're you're making it, buddy. So uh, keep grinding. And uh, man, we'll have to do this again some other time, maybe midway through the season, or well, whenever you get time, because I know it's busy. <laughs> It'll be tough to plan, but uh, if people don't mind hearing gravel bounce off the bottom of the truck, I have. Uh, quite a few hours during the day that we can we can chit chat for sure (laughs) all right buddy well you have a good night and uh go enjoy some of that that new dad time brother all right thanks man thanks for having me on i appreciate it yeah buddy take care bye bye all right guys travis sipe duck wild waterfowl check him out go check out Hopefully post up that Bo Jenkins Tater Killer video because that that had me dying. It's an echo insert shoved into a freaking potato with a hole into it. And uh, yeah, 
just a very, very interesting guy. Um, he's always funny. He's always motivated and doing something. And uh, I remember watching him guide a few hunts a year on Facebook and talking to him. And now he's got a lodge. And uh, he worked every step of the way to get there, like so many who are successful do. So, hope you enjoy it. Like it, share it. Tune in to Facebook on BTBN tonight to do the head-to-head results for the first eight of 16 in the first round. Check out Unstable Calls if you want a paperweight to look shiny on your desk. I'm the worst marketer I've been told for myself. Eh, whatever. Have a good night.